Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Our guest is writer-filmmaker Marks H. Pyle. He's a graduate of Vancouver Film School, co-hosts the popular interview podcast, Genretainment, writes for news websites like Sci-Fi Pulse, and has interviewed hundreds of web series creators. Marx is also the executive producer, director, co-writer of Reality On Demand, co-producer and director plus director of photography for four episodes of Book of Dallas, which has over two million views, and DP for two episodes of Star Trek Phase Two as well as the author of Television on the Wild, Wild Web, published by Michael Weezy. And Carol, Michael Weezy is also the publisher for The Art of Film Funding as well, isn't he? Yes, he is. Michael Weezy is brilliant at finding filmmakers who are excellent book writers. So thank you, Marks, for joining us. Well, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for asking me. You know, your book, Television on the Wild Wild Web, is exactly what I want us to cover today because it's full of great advice and creative ideas. So I like the part on the inside of the book that says, who should read this book? Let's start there. Yeah, so you know, I start off just mentioning what type of people you know, might find this book useful. You know, for example, film students wanting to learn their, their chosen field or get their work in front of as many eyeballs as possible or, uh, or web series creators, for sure, who want to learn how to better navigate this, this sort of new online frontier of web television. Uh, but, you know, also like marketing specialists who want to pick some tricks on or learn some tricks on how to apply their skills to the entertainment industry or crowdfunding project creators you know, who are wanting to fund their creative projects by, uh, you know, those many, many crowdfunding options out there. Absolutely. Well, uh, let's get started with uh, the first uh, chapter uh, mm-hmm. where you give advice on how to make your series stand out. Sure. You know, I believe it's really important to learn your craft and, uh, and to be competitive. You have to learn what's come before. So so I wrote what I think is probably the most in-depth history of web series to date. The short history, mind you, <laughs> but uh, it's sort of like dog years because a, a lot has changed in a short period of time. Um, now, I know when you mention history, people kind of yawn. It's not exactly the, the greatest topic in the world or most exciting topic. But, you know, I try my best to keep it focused and fun and look at the history of web series. And then... After that, I examine uh, reasons why you would want to write a web series in the first place versus, you know, your more traditional film or, or other projects. Um, and then also how to kind of kind of look at your story and decide if it's really a good fit for web series or not or one of those other media formats out there. Um, and then, you know, I think it's really important to talk about goals because I know, you know, we all want to be rich and famous, <laughs> but, uh, but your short-term, short-term goals need to be a little bit more specific than that. And so I discuss, you know, trying to figure out uh, those type of goals and and how to reach them, and then also just figuring out who your audience is. 
which I think is a really, really important step that people skip over sometimes. It's not really about those broader like demographics uh, that like more traditional television look at. It's it's more about finding certain niche audiences out there that are underserved. Exactly. All right. Well, I I tell you, as far as the history goes, um, I found in here where you say that uh, YouTube claimed that they currently average more than one billion monthly monthly uniques, which is about fifteen percent of the world's population. They could be bigger than than any of our TV stations in the future, couldn't they? They could be. Yeah. I mean, more and more people are going. Going over there, you know, those numbers have even improved or increased each year. Um, and also, I know, like, I don't know specifics, but I remember reading in the press just a few days ago that Netflix, there was a study done and where um, there was a drop, 5% or so, in audiences in traditional television. And they believe that a lot of them went over to Netflix. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, you know, a lot of people are going online more and more to see their, their TV shows and movies and entertainment. Exactly, and because you said that Netflix had reported almost 30 million subscribers and surpassed HBO for the first time, that's that's quite a statement. Oh yeah, and that was a year or two ago. It's even broader now. They've they've expanded uh, dramatically in multiple countries. They're in, I believe, uh, I think it's like 190 countries as of as of late last year. Well, so if you did something. If you created something for the web, a TV series, would you could you also sell it to Netflix? Is that a possibility? You know, it's a possibility. I talk a little bit about that in there in the distribution. Um, with Netflix, though, they don't they don't like to deal with individual uh, producers directly. So you'd have to go through a distributor or or either a distributor that specializes in that or a traditional distributor to make that deal. But it but is have, possible. They have done it. It is possible. They have yeah. done it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, that's There's good. There's web to know. series on there. But one of the things I liked in your book when you say why a web series, you you went into the thing I love about the new media uh, is that everyone is proactive, and you talked about Felicia Day. Tell tell us about that. About Felicia Day. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know she's one of the big success stories people talk about. Um, you know, she did a web series called The Guild. Um, it came out in 2007, I believe. Up to that point, she was an, she was best known as an actress in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, was one of the supporting characters. So you know, she hadn't. She definitely was early in her career in acting. Uh, she was not getting the roles that she wanted. So she thought uh, she would write her own series that she could star in. Um, and uh, you know, she created the guild that way. The web series was still very young, but uh, she's always been a very um, forward-thinking person, especially online. And she also, I talked about earlier about finding your niche audience. You know, she was she's a big gamer, especially World of Warcraft gamer, and there's a huge audience for that that market. And uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of um, original series being made that appealed to those those people to that kind of viewpoint. And um, so she thought it'd be really interesting to make a comedy series about these kind of uh, misfit group of people who are uh, obsessed online gamers playing a game kind of like World of Warcraft. And, uh, you know, it spoke to her because of her own experiences. She knew that would appeal to an audience that's uh, a niche audience that's not that's being underserved, doesn't have anything like that. And they're already online, so they're a great, great audience to reach out to. And, 
you know, she did it herself the first season. It was all her own money. I think they filmed a lot of scenes like in her house. So, <laughs> um, and, and she built up from there by making money through merchandising and, and ad revenue and then eventually getting sponsorship and it just continued to grow and grow until now she's got her own uh, YouTube channel, Geek and Sundry. And, uh, you know, and her, her acting career also has tremendously skyrocketed since then. She's been on a lot of different TV shows and she was on a hit web series called Dr. Horrible's Seen a Long Blog. So it's a good example about how you can, you can really, like she set her goals, like she wanted more acting. She wanted to develop her writing. She looked for an audience, a niche audience that was underserved. And, uh, and then she started with a more frugal approach in her, in her funding at first, but then build off that with uh, merchandising and um, and eventually sponsorship and branded, branding and uh, went from there. Well, that is certainly um, a very prolific way to carry on with that kind of thing. And I know, Carol, you would agree that um, all of those ways that she uh, – built her way into having a very popular web series. Um, they were all creative, and filling that niche really makes a difference, wouldn't you say, Carol? Absolutely, Claire. Mm-hmm. But let's go to one of the things you said that I really find important is uh, setting your goals. So does, and that uh, let's talk about a, uh, an example of what goals that you would set. Um, yeah, I mean, so, you know, for Felicia Day, it was about, about getting more acting, uh, developing her acting, doing roles that she wasn't getting parts for. And there's been a lot of people have, have done that, uh, with her acting, but it could be anything from, if you have, um, um, if you have a message that you really want to say, for example, maybe it's not about necessarily getting a huge profit, but you just want to. Uh, reach out with a message. Um, it could be an environmental issue. It could be a uh, faith-based issue, you know, whatever it would be. And uh, you could create that series to reach out, whereas you might have a very difficult time trying to create that story with um, more traditional um, studios who are, who are looking more straight at high profit, high you know audience, for example. Um, but also, you know, you can use it like like she did as as a way to get exposure and, and as um for your career to grow uh, also like a stepping stone for your project itself for example uh, maybe you have a project that's like a film and you want, really want it to be a feature film but you just can't make it happen uh well maybe if you revisit that idea and either uh kind of turn it into something it could be um either that actual project broken up in parts somehow to make work as a series, or it could be a prelude somehow in that world setting, who knows. Uh, you could do that to then develop interest and maybe use that as, as leverage uh, to maybe to actually create the feature film you wanted in the first place. Right. Well, let's assume that you've uh, figured out what your overall concept is for your series. Then uh-huh. tell us how do you build the blueprint? Um, so, well, in the book I discuss, I discuss a lot of writing tips uh, on web series because the structure of web series is a little different. It's sort of like this hybrid of television and short films in a way. Uh, and I try to 
try to give some pitfalls to avoid. Um, and, you know, and I also talk a lot about knowing what, what came before. Um, so I talk, I actually take a number of my favorite indie web series and talk about what they did right. I, and I focused on independently produced ones because um, they should be like a realistic comparison for you, uh, no matter what your budget is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was really shocked in a way, surprised, when I first started talking to other web series creators um, about how little they knew about other web series. <laughs> They're all coming mm-hmm. from other traditional uh, fields, and they just thought this was a neat idea to jump into. But they hadn't really watched a whole lot of other web series. Um, and and that's changing, of course, as time goes on. But, you know, I think if you choose to bring your story in that format, bring the life in that format, I really think you should know it. Um, I mean, it's like like trying to be an author who's never actually read a book <laughs> or tele- television producer who's never actually saw, like, a, an actual TV series. You know, uh, I think you really should go do your research, watch some other web series that are similar, um, keep that in mind for your, your structure of your story, and, and uh, work off that. Well, Sam, give us some tips on uh, ones to watch. A series to watch? Yeah. Um, you know, I like, well, one that I kind of enjoy a lot that shows what you can do when you use your imagination and um, blue screens is uh, a sci-fi web series called Aiden 5. It's A-I-D-A-N and then number five. And it's sort of like a science fiction noir combination and it's black and white and uh, everything's green screened um, so the only thing that's real is the people and maybe some of the objects they're carrying uh, otherwise everything's sort of like drawn in and animated so it's like this live comic book feel in a way uh, I think it's really creative um, and it's gotten a lot of positive feedback from people um, there's also with Dr. Harbaugh Sinalon blog is definitely a must to watch. It, it's just a three part series. It was created by Joss Whedon, who's people might know best as the director of Avengers, but he also has created shows like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Firefly. And right. uh yeah, and Dr. Harbaugh Sinalon blog was a huge hit. Um it raised I forgot how much he said, maybe eventually like um uh, uh, it was in the millions, uh, three million, I think, between like DVD sales and and the sales on iTunes and such. But um, it had Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion, Felicia Day, um, and uh, Simon uh, Helberg, I believe, from Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. Um, huge hit. So it's such a hit that you know, whenever they premiered, it like crashed the servers. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, and so and that's like a super villain. Uh, supervillain superhero um, musical, you know, it's something you never really have seen before, and and you would rarely ever see. <laughs> so, but it was huge success. Shows you how you can create these really um, unique, out of the box type series, and they can get really, really good uh, feedback and loyalty from from people online. Sounds great. Thank you for sharing those. Now let's go to your third chapter, uh, which is really one of my favorites called Money, Please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we all need money, right? Um, right. So one of the most common mistakes for people uh, who are making web series or a lot of other projects, actually, is that they believe they can only fund their project by one source. So, you know, they get tunnel vision, think they need a big investor or 
or maybe you just have to do it all through crowdfunding. Um, or, you know, they need that grant or the contest to make it happen or they're just not going to do it. You know, it's really best to find as many options possible and explore them all and try to get, you know, maybe some funding over here, some funding over there. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of web series have done that, and it kind of um, helps you overcome that hurdle maybe where you just can't quite get all the money you need in, in one, one uh, route. Um, and I think I also talk about how to figure out your budget because that's really, I mean, that's your first step. You can't really ask for money until you know how much you need. Um, and also some ways to try to make it cheaper. Because <laughs> um, you can always, I think it's really best just to, you know, figure out what the story would take to make, figure out some ways to maybe make it a little bit cheaper. Maybe you can merge a few characters together. And then you have less cast. Maybe you don't need that visual effect. Uh, you know, some of those things, try to keep that budget down. Um, because, you know, if you luck out uh, and you get some really big interest, you can always add it back in if you need to. Um, Absolutely, I I uh-huh. think Marks, it's so important that that writers get when they get to this stage. Now uh-huh. they become a producer, and so now the producer says, "How can we do this for less money, but have a good uh, production value, but less money?" So, like if you if having the script that a bridge blows up, maybe you don't blow up the bridge, which you know, could cost you 100000 Rather, you show a guy climbing up from an embankment saying the bridge blew up with a lot of dust in the air, something like that. This is the key to saving you a lot of money in the production, right? Oh, for sure. And sometimes our imaginations will be even better than what we can actually create. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, then I move on to some options to actually raise that money. Uh, I know um, one of the big ones that I really cover in depth is crowdfunding because it's been a really good one for, for web series creators. Um, I talk about all the major platforms out there that have been used by web series creators. Um, and and I kind of narrow it down to like four or five of, that I think are really the best ones for web series. I, I actually took like looked at all the numbers and took like the top 10 or, or so uh, web series uh, that had done uh, done well on crowdfunding through the various uh, platforms. So, and talk about those different platforms. It's not necessarily that one's better than the other. It's that they, they have different audiences and with different expectations. And so a certain project, depending upon the budget or what it is, could do better on one platform or another. Um, so I covered a lot of tips and tricks on that. I had uh, one of the coolest things, one of the most uh, well nice things that happened after this book is that you know I get feedback sometimes from web series creators who uh, who say they really enjoyed it or really helped them out. I even had a, I've had some web series creators that said they'd use it as a guidebook uh, when for their first web series, um, and also some that have done crowdfunding campaigns recently that said they used it uh, to help them uh, like um, Ghostlight and. Uh, three trembling cities. Uh, those Wonderful. are a couple that, off top, off top of my mind, who, who made a point to tell me that you know, that they really loved that chapter and they were using it for the crowdfunding campaign and they were successful in getting it. So it's, it's a really good feeling. Oh, so, I imagine it is. You did a great job outlining all that and putting the money and what percentage they went over what they asked for. It's an incredible list. Yeah. Yeah, it was really. I found I got kind of obsessed with it a little bit as I got really deep into it to learn more about it. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, I'm sure they struggled a lot. I mean, crowdfunding, it really is a full-time job. Uh, you know, people say that and they, they kind of dismiss it, but it, it really, really is. It's like expect to spend 40 hours a week while you're, while you're in the middle of crowdfunding. Um, but yeah, you know, it's really great to see people using the book and having success. Uh, I mean, the whole reason why I wrote it was because when I first started out with web series, even though I had, I had talked to some web series, interviewed some web series creators, I felt really lost. Um, there just weren't very many resources at all out there. And, and that's you know, why I wrote this book, you know, to help people out um, so they wouldn't have to face that hurdle. Well, in the crowdfunding tips section, um, you've done a really good job. So share some of that with us. Sure, like, like what specifically? I mean, well, you you're saying be transparent and honest. Um, you're not NASA. You don't want this to be a top secret project. So tell them why <laughs> you need the money. I think that's so important. And and what I find because we are partners with Indiegogo and we've been running crowd, crowdfunding for four years now. People don't want to talk about who they are and why they're making the film, and yet that's what we all want to know. Oh, you have to, yeah. I mean, you have to let them know who you are and the team are that are creating this and why it's important to you. Um, you know, that's that's. so we're all storytellers and we all love a good story. So what you really need to do with your, your pitch about your crowdfunding campaign is not just tell them about the story you want to make, but you have to make make a story about why this is so important and why you have to make this uh, this project Um that's what really resonates with people on crowdfunding. I mean, there's there's so many projects out there, and it's it's hard for people to imagine what your project's going to be, even if you show them a lot. But uh, if you show them some good stuff, and then you you get them to understand you and your team and why this is important to you, um, they will they'll, they'll help you, they'll back you. And it's also important to not just go one day, hey, let's do crowdfunding, and I'm just going to make a make a, an account and get started right off the bat. It's really important to um, to become part of the community in crowdfunding. You know, go on Kickstarter or whatever platform you're going to decide to use, and uh, look at the other campaigns. You know, donate some money to those campaigns. You know, build up some relationship with that community uh, before you get started. Because one thing is, you'll you'll learn more about how a crowdfunding campaign works by being a participant, by being one of the uh, people who donate or contribute. Um, and then, two, whenever the time comes um, to make your crowdfunding campaign, you're, you're more likely to get get uh, maybe maybe not money back, but at least they will they will let their fans know about you. So. Oh, that's great! I hadn't realized that they'll help promote you. They can, yeah. I've I've been involved with some where, um, you know. Whenever you get people who contribute, you're you're sort of kind of making an email list in a way, you know, because you can continuously be able to update them on what's happening. So some of those crowdfunding people, I've seen them do where they'll they'll do an update, and they'll actually, uh, you know, maybe in post stage, they'll actually talk about other crowdfunding campaigns that are live right now that that think their audience might like, you know, and they're not like necessarily hunting them down. It's it's because they built relationships with other crowdfunding people and. Um, you know that's a great way. You know, you get paid back, and you know, it's a little bit of karma. <laughs> I have a a quick question for you, Marks. Um, I am wondering about the situation with 
Say, for instance, what if somebody would like to do a mini-series? Do you feel that it's even worth their time to do a mini-series um, and all that goes into it? Because you, you just about have to do all the same things to get that up and running and, and going well and, and reaching a large audience. You just about have to do the same things. But when it comes to... Um, uh, whether you feel it's worth it for a mini-series compared to an ongoing series. What are your thoughts on that? So it's just like a series of just one season. It's not going to continue on, basically. Perhaps. Yeah, it could be that or it could <clears throat> even, yes, something like that, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes back to goals, what your goal is. Um, if you're wanting to be just a web series creator and you want to make – uh, build that up into a career. Um, if you're doing only one season, it might be really hard to get traction on that uh, and build momentum. Uh, but then again, if this is a scenario where you really want to make a feature film and this is sort of like a proof of concept in a way, either of mm-hmm. that story or, or something related, then that could really pay off well by, by doing it that way. And if that's your goal, you're not necessarily wanting to do six or seven seasons necessarily. You might just want to do that one that one season and right. you know, market as a limited uh, series and, you know, and, and uh, play up that ankle. Okay. Great. And Carol, um, you wanted to ask about some more of the chapters, didn't you? Uh, yes, Claire. I really want to know how you think you can find good crews and good actors. <laughs> Um, you know, I think you can almost anywhere you live, in a way. Um, you know, unless you live in, like, a very extremely small town, an isolated area, I think there's lots of resources out there to find great talent, both in front of or, or behind the camera. Um, you might have to work a little harder. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you'd be surprised sometimes what you'll find. Um, you know, for example, if you're looking for actors or even sometimes crew you know, going to local theaters, for example, could be a great way to find people. Um, uh, colleges, schools are great ways to find people who, who are interested or have some experience in acting. Uh, there's, you know, any local organizations or clubs. Um, you know, for web series, there's a really, um, there's an organization called the International Academy of Web Television. I'm actually uh, recently became a board member of it, and it's been around for, for quite a while now. And uh, it's international. It's uh, if you join it, you get to be part of that that community. Um, if you if you live in a few major cities, there's lots of meetup opportunities in person. But there's also uh, award shows. There's also resources you get um, that can help you with finding out uh, again about finding out about the community, about finding out what's already happened before. Um, that could be very useful for you, or making connections with actors and, and crew. Um, you know, even in, you know, for example, Indiana, which is not necessarily, you know, we've got Chicago right next to it, it's not necessarily uh, thought of as a film hub, but it is a very lively organization called the Indiana Filmmakers Network. It's got uh, a number of, it's based out of Indianapolis, but has satellite groups throughout the state. So, you know, there's lots of resources. You can go online also with LinkedIn and other places. You can check with your local film commission. Um um, you know, I think it's just a matter of um, kind of finding what talent that's in your area and, and kind of develop it from there. 
I think that's brilliant, and especially going to the theater. Because, um, you know, of course, in Hollywood, when I go to the theater, I see people in the plays that are on television all the time. Some of the leading bit part players, are uh, they're there because they love to hone their craft. And they would work on a web series. You're absolutely right. Those are great ideas. But mm-hmm. tell me how filmmakers can find your book. Um, sure. You know, it's on uh, Amazon. You can go Barnes & Noble. Uh, you can also go directly to Michael Weezy's uh, publishing website at mwp.com. Uh, and also I have my own website. It, it, it needs a little bit of updating, actually, but, but you can find me there at, at uh, markspile.com. Great. Now, let's move to Chapter 5, Spreading the Word, because I really love this. In our mm-hmm. film grants, we look for marketing in the grant, there's a section where we want you to tell us how you're going to market the film because that's the first thing I think you have to find is who's your audience. Oh, for sure. It's very important. I mean, besides funding, I think marketing is one of the greatest challenges for web series creators. Uh, you know, now that we have distribution free on the web, uh, you know, that's let us surpass that huge hurdle. That that hurdle plus how equipment's gotten much cheaper. Um but, you know, it's become a crowded market because a lot of people are, are making web series. Uh, and it's not just indie web series creators out there. Um, it's also, you know, all those big traditional series too, right? <laughs> you know, you get your traditional shows. They're also online with Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, and, and those uh, platforms are making their own series too, like House of Cards and Daredevil and, and such. Um, you know, they're, they're distracting your potential audience away from you. So, so you got to ask yourself how, how you're going to stand out. And, uh, you know, first, for example, your series can't live only on a video platform. You need, you need to build a hub, uh, you know, start off with a website, build from there. That's kind of like your home base, central hub. Uh, you need to be on a lot of the major social media platforms out there. Uh, not, not like every single one you can get on there, but you need to strategically look at a few that, that makes sense for your niche audience, uh, that where they're, they're going to be at and you're going to see your message, see your show. And uh, you need to learn how to, how to write press releases, <laughs> for sure. Uh, you you got to think about, you got to see the point of view of a news reporter uh, who's looking for that hook that's going to make for a good news story. You know, um, We're all writers. Well, if you're a writer, you're, you should be able to think that point of view of your character just imagine that's that's how that reporter's thinking and 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 approach it with your press release that way um of course your first your first fans you know they're going to be your cast and crew and within an extension of that they're, they're family and friends so you know make sure you use that and and uh you know start there and build let their mm-hmm. excitement for the project you know help fuel that marketing push and make it move forward and uh, and like you said, you really got to build that marketing plan. It's got to be it's got to be in the early stages too um, before you ever film a single frame. You know, you need to you need to think about your marketing. You need to start planning out your marketing at every stage of production. Um, so once that series is out, you build up an audience to, that's ready to watch it. Oh, it's so important. Yes, I totally agree with you. And uh, what I suggest sometimes is early on when you have uh, when you are attaching your audience, that you uh, uh, contact 
uh, some of your audience, not family or friends, but the people who really are avidly following you. And mm-hmm. I have a series of questions that I put together that if you ask them, you can find out where they're hanging out, what, uh, where they go online, right, what clubs mm-hmm. they belong to, what organizations they belong to. And then you can get even closer to your identification of who your audience is, and you can hang out online where they are. Uh, and expand your audience even more by interviewing your own audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great idea. You're you're making your own homebrew marketing survey <laughs> to figure out who your audience is. That's great. Um, oh, and and I think another thing. Uh, well, two things real quick about that too. Well, you know, the book goes in depth about all sorts of stuff, but. Um, uh, one nice side effect of crowdfunding, if that's what you end up doing, is that you're also, it's not just about building money, it's also about building fans. You know, you'll you'll, you'll build fans as a, as part of that, and, and sometimes that can even be a bigger benefit than the money you raise. Uh, and also, I talk a little bit about email, email lists. Um, as time's gone by, I've become more and more certain that email lists are really, really important. <laughs> They're not used very often by web series creators, but I've seen that like uh, indie authors, for example, have really mastered that marketing tool, and uh, I really think it could be really benef- beneficial for people. I know people think email lists, it's spammy, uh, you know, avoid it, but, uh, but it doesn't really bother people if, as long as you're not randomly getting people on your email list. If you're, if you're inviting people and they want to, to to keep track of your projects. It works really, really great. It's really great. Uh, speaking of like ROI, return on your investment, it's a yes. great one. So. Yes, it is. And I think it's much more powerful. I Because we are a fiscal sponsor and I see the money coming in from various places, those people, the, the 80% of the money that they raise through us on Indiegogo comes from their own mailing list. Mm-hmm. Only a small portion comes from the social networking. Oh yeah, it's 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 very powerful. It's very more powerful. you know that ROI is way more powerful email list versus social media. Social media is extremely important, but that email list is very very important. And it's not. Yes. I know very few web series creators who do it. I'm. I, I always anytime I talk to a web series creator, I urge them to to give it a shot. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's go to chapter six on distribution because I think the new hybrid distribution is excellent for filmmakers. Tell us what you advise. Yeah, you know, I list a number of good options out there. Um, you know, everybody always thinks YouTube first, <laughs> and nothing against YouTube. But there's a lot of great video platform options out there for you. And I really think a web series creator needs to approach it like, like a traditional filmmaker does. Uh, you know, don't look at it as just one release, but as a, as a series of releases, a different windows of distribution. Um, you know, one example would be Blake Calhoun's sci-fi series, Continuum. Yeah. Not, to be, not to be confused with the Canadian time travel sci-fi show called Continuum that you might see on Sci-Fi Channel. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, Calhoun's Continuum, uh, an experiment with launch dates, it, um, uh, he did something where he premiered on Facebook the first time, the first season, which was really fresh and new back then. Uh, but the second season he did um, where he exclusively premiered on a subscription platform for web series called JTS or Just the Story. And he premiered there first. Once that was done and so much time had gone by, he did staggered releases on other platforms, uh, also including YouTube. 
Um, I've seen other web series do that kind of staggered release. Um, it, it works um, better at reaching those audiences rather than just trying to go out there all at once um, and generate some more um, money for you um, and, and also reach more people. Plus, like press releases, for example, you know, talking about that, you, you just went from we're premiering on this date to we're premiering exclusively on this platform on this date to later on you can go, now we're premiering on YouTube, now we're premiering on this. Um, and of course, you could go on, um, you can make DVDs, you could do other things. I've seen them eventually get on Hulu or Netflix. So, you know, I think that's uh, a powerful tool to, to try to do. It's, it's more work, but it, it works out really well. Um, and, you know, I also talk about revenue models, too, because <clears throat> I think everybody, when they think about the web, usually is thinking about ad revenue models, like ads like on YouTube. Um, so one thing I want to point out that doesn't get pointed out very often uh, is that if you're making a scripted content, scripted series, a significant budget, limited number of episodes per season, then I really think actually YouTube and that revenue model is not a good plan for you. Um, maybe it, like later on down the road it would be an option, but it's not a good one to start off with. Um, there are more and more subscription services and video-on-demand options out there for web series, and, uh, and I've seen more and more of them taking advantage of it, and I really think that's a, that's a smarter approach for people. Um, you know, vlogging, comedy sketches, those type of shows, you know, they're, they're able to produce them fairly cheap, we're able to produce them at high volume. YouTube ad revenue makes complete sense for that. It's worked out really well for for those those uh, those subgenres. Um, but scripted content struggles if it tries to go on YouTube first, and I've seen a lot of web series people do that and uh, and and struggle. So, mm -hmm. but uh, the only possible exception with that might be is if you get a deal with an MCN, that's a multi-channel network, like Ecosundry or uh, or um, or maker studios or something, uh, then they might be able to drive a lot more traffic to you and make that a little bit more profitable and, and more beneficial. But, um, but yeah, I just want to mention that because it doesn't get mentioned very often. And, and it's a big, I think a very, uh, common, um, uh, pitfall that people hit when they first start out. Right. Well, you, in your book, you talked about web series festivals I didn't even know they existed. Tell us about those. Oh, yeah, they exist for sure. Uh, there's quite a few. <laughs> um, so I guess you could trace it back to, first off, award shows. Um, you know, the Streaming Awards first launched in 2009, and it was the first specific web series award show. Uh, it was done in collaboration with the International Academy Web Television and TubeFilter. Uh, and after a couple of years, IWTV would spin out of that because they're a non-for-profit organization. That they felt it was a conflict to do a profit award show. So they did their own award show, uh, the IWTV Awards, um, which has been going strong for the last few years. Those are kind of seen as sort of the two, um, two premium award shows, if you will. But then in 2010, uh, the first web series festival, like a film festival, but just for web series, <laughs> Uh, it came out in 2010. It was called LA Web Fest, and of course LA. And uh, it wouldn't take very long for the idea to catch on. I mean, there's dozens of them now. Um, there's multiple ones throughout the U.S. and Canada. 
There's a lot of them in Spain, UK, France, Italy, all sorts of countries. Um, and it just continues to grow and, and grow in popularity. So there's a lot of them out there. They're great opportunities, both for networking with other web series creators and, and also getting some you know recognition. And um, oh, and recently, the Emmys, actually, the Emmys has had like a short form series category for a little while. Yeah. But but they have recently, I think like a week or two ago, uh, expanded that into four different categories. So now it's comedy or drama, uh, variety, um, reality or, or nonfiction, and then animation. And they also made awards for short form actors and actresses too. So I think that's a really huge step uh, for the traditional part of the industry, like recognizing the talent and creativity from from the web community. So. Yes, that's exciting. Now, <clears throat> tell us, Marks, do you give consultations and how people can find you? Sure, I'm I'm always happy to help <laughs> and I can answer questions. Uh I'm always happy to answer any any basic questions from people. They can they can go on Twitter, uh reach out to me if they want. Like my, my handle there is at Mr. Marks, M R M A R X. Um they can also email me directly, Markspile at, at gmail dot com. They can now, if they want more in-depth consulting, um, then they can we can discuss that and work out a deal for uh, for consulting on that. Um, I also I've also spoke to a number of colleges. I really enjoy doing that. So if you have a college or school that that would might want me to come there and talk about web series, maybe do a workshop, I would love to do that. You know, feel free to reach out. Um, and of course, you can find me at markspile.com. Wonderful. I really thank you so much for sharing all this information. This is a whole new field, and you really have a handle on it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, and thanks, Claire, for hosting the show. And We'll see you all again next week, same time, same day. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Right. Thank you. Bye. Be well, everyone. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's david, R-A-I-K-L-E-N.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.